0: Hello and welcome to all our listeners on behalf of the Wharton Fintech podcast. I'm your host, Anchit Gupta, and I'm excited to be speaking to Jared Heck, co-founder of Fundera and GroupMe today. Fundera is a loan marketplace for small businesses, helping connect business owners with the right lenders. Fundera is helping thousands of small and medium businesses right now to help navigate the chaotic paycheck protection program process. Back in 2010, Jared also founded GroupMe, a popular group messaging app. GroupMe was a massive success with over 1 million users within a year, and was eventually acquired by Microsoft and Skype. In today's podcast, we discuss Jared's entrepreneurial journey across both GroupMe and Fundera, as well as the impact of the coronavirus crisis and the PPP on SMB lending in the U.S. Jared. Thank you for joining us today. We know it is an extremely busy time for you.
1: Thanks for having me, appreciate it.
0: Perfect. Jared, it would be great if you could start by telling us about your background and your journey as an entrepreneur.
1: Sure, I'll give you the uh, abbreviated version of the background. I grew up in New Jersey, was relatively entrepreneurial growing up. I started a couple different companies in college. I went to college in New York City at Columbia. Thought I wanted to work in the music industry, so I started a music marketing production company primarily as a mechanism to get into shows for free, like to mm-hmm. go see the, the bands that I, I loved seeing and essentially go to concerts for free. As I kind of worked in the music industry, it was interesting, like I, my love for music kind of became more of like a business for music. So the sheer joy of going to shows kind of just became like work. So ultimately decided that I didn't want to do anything in the music industry because of that reason, but knew that I, I really enjoyed the experience of starting a company um, and one day wanted to do that. When I was like a senior in college, so back in 2008, 2009, um, started learning more and more about the tech industry, got extremely lucky upon graduation and was able to join Tumblr as like their 7th or 8th employee, where I got a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. Really got to see the, the inner workings of an early stage startup that had terrific investors. Was brought into board meetings where I got to present materials around financials and partnership roadmaps. Uh, spent time actually assembling board decks, which I was massively unqualified to do, but was just given a wonderful opportunity by the president, John Maloney, and the CEO, David carp Around a year into, into Tumblr. Uh, I partnered up with a, a very dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, a guy named Steve Martosi, who was a software engineer at Gil Group and was also an entrepreneur. We met each other through the music industry. We both loved to see this band called the Disco Biscuits, which is kind of like fish but more electronic. And uh, we collectively came up with the idea for Groovy and entered a hackathon in 2010 and built a working prototype at a TechCrunch Disrupt hackathon, the very first TechCrunch Disrupt hackathon. We walked out of the hackathon with a working prototype, showed it to our bosses. They both said, you should go pursue this full-time. We'd like to invest in you guys uh, to go do so. Uh, And that's what we did. And that was like true company number one. GroupMe was an amazing experience. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't kind of like build the right thing, right place, right time. It was also Mm -hmm. a very quick experience where I believe 15, 16 months after we built the prototype, we ended up selling it to Skype. I spent two years at Skype and Microsoft and then left to start Fundera, which, as you alluded to, is a marketplace for small business loans and has expanded to include other financial solutions for small business owners as well. Think about it like the ultimate financial solutions supermarket for small businesses, which was spawned by a problem that my cousin Zach had, who's an entrepreneur in Ohio. He owns a chain of restaurants called Fusion. Mm -hmm. And he struggled to get a business loan to open up the third location. And we went online together to see what his options were. And using the internet to find a small business loan was actually impossible back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was around 2013. So decided to solve Zach's problem, which was how does he better shop for small business credit? And do that the same way he would shop for virtually everything else on the internet. Mm. And that is the abbreviated story of my entrepreneurial background.
0: It's so interesting to find out that it was a hackathon that led you to GroupMe. That's really fascinating.
1: Well, Ah. that's where we built it. The thing that led us to GroupMe was a a problem that my, my wife had, which was a music problem, actually. She wanted to be able to do Reply All SMS with her friends at music festivals because that did not exist. and She thought it would be really cool as a, as a means to stay better connected while they're out there at that. Got
0: it. That's exciting. So uh, Jared, I know you briefly already spoke about it, but uh, would love to understand more about what brought you into FinTech and motivated you to launch Pandera, and how has it been so far? What have you guys been doing?
1: Yeah, so I think the thing that brought me into fintech was serendipity, for what it's worth. It's not as if I have a background in financial services, nor did I really know anything about financial services. So it wasn't like a, hey, I have this passion for financial services, and I want to go start something in fintech. It was really more about this passion about helping entrepreneurs solve their problems and helping them flourish and be successful. After we sold GroupMe, um, one of the ways I stayed occupied and kept my brain somewhat sharp was by investing in startups and also advising other CEOs and founders. And I really just thoroughly enjoyed that, helping other people kind of accomplish their dreams and see their vision become a reality. And Fundera, similar to GroupMe, started with a problem of a family member. And this notion that solving this problem was not just specific to this one use case or this one specific person. This was a systemic problem that could be solved, but really hit close to home. So I I really would say like I have just more of a passion for solving problems than helping entrepreneurs. It just so happens that Fundera is in the fintech space. But I I really liken what we do to more of like um, kind of a consumer-oriented suite of problems as opposed to like a financial services set of problems. You know, we don't deal with any of the payments. We're not like underwriters by trade. Our job is really helping entrepreneurs make sense of all the, the murkiness out there when it comes to what is the right financial solution for them and how can they shop with confidence, not just once, but with a partner who's going to be with them over the entire duration of their life as an entrepreneur. So it's my long-winded way of saying it wasn't as if I had a passion for financial services. is really more of a passion for problem-solving and supporting entrepreneurs.
0: Got it. For some of our listeners who might not be aware, Jared, Could you tell us what Fundera specifically does in terms of the different ways in which it helps these businesses and what is its position within the lending landscape?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the position. The position is essentially as a marketplace or an aggregator. So Mm -hmm. we're not a lender. What we do is we aggregate all of the supplies. So there's a lot of different types of supply out there for small businesses just within lending, and it's really difficult to navigate. There are all these different types of financing products available, ranging from bank term loans to SBA loans to lines of credit, invoice financing, equipment financing. And for every single one of these types of products, there are tens, if not hundreds of lenders that service them. Mm-hmm. And it's extraordinarily difficult for an entrepreneur or a small business owner to actually navigate that landscape and identify which product is right for them. I'll also preface this by saying it's extremely difficult for a small business owner to actually get a loan from their bank. Most small business owners are not eligible for bank loans, and banks, honestly, they don't like lending to small businesses. It's a super not profitable endeavor for them. It's difficult for them to turn a profit on any loan that's less than two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And our average size loan is fifty or sixty thousand dollars. These are smaller businesses, you know, with a handful of employees that really just need working capital to continue to grow and take advantage of opportunities that they see. So that's kind of where we started. um, And that's our position, which is helping small business owners actually acquire all of these different types of products. And over time we've expanded into other different types of financial solutions, whether those are business credit cards, cloud accounting software, business checking and savings accounts. And really we have this vision of, of helping millions of small business owners make great financial decisions And the means by which we do that is essentially help them shop and compare for all these different uh, options. You can kind of think about it like, uh, you know, as a consumer, return to Amazon for purchasing decisions. As a small business owner, you turn to Fundera for all the different types of solutions that you need to to better run, grow, or operate your business. In regards to customer experience, you know, one of the interesting things about the landscape in which we operate is that this isn't the type of environment where you can just go out there and, and buy a financial solution with your credit card. Right. Most financial solutions, w- whether it's a loan or a credit card or an insurance policy, require a small business owner to be eligible for those suite of products. So I can't go out there and say, hey, I want this loan from American Express or I want this line of credit from PNC Bank. I actually have to be eligible for that thing mm-hmm. in order to buy. Same way where I can't just say, hey, I want this specific insurance policy from Hartford. Right. I actually have to be eligible for That insurance policy in order to buy it. And understanding those eligibility requirements is somewhat of a black box. So, what we do at Fundera is essentially analyze all the different components of a small business, which range from um, attributes of the small business owner, their personal FICO, um, their financial well being, the history of the business, the business financials, and take that data and then determine which of the products within our marketplace are actually the best fit for that customer's needs and eligibility. And we don't just do that once. We think about how do we do that on a persistent or ongoing basis so that we can constantly surface the right recommendations for a customer, whether that's an opportunity to refinance debt and save thousands of dollars, whether that's an opportunity to get access to a larger line of credit so that they can increase their purchasing power. You can think about it along the lines of that spectrum really being the place that has those catered, personalized recommendations for small business owners that are pretty complex to acquire in the first place. I would say the closest like uh, comparison for what we do in the consumer space would be a service like Credit Karma, which makes remarkable use of your personal financial data and credit score to make very highly targeted recommendations to you that will ultimately benefit you and be better than the products that you have today.
0: That was very helpful, Jared. Uh, so you already mentioned that you're working with, say, an average loan size of fifty to sixty thousand dollars, and maybe you could tell us a bit about who your, what your typical target customer looks like, or you know, majority of your customers.
1: So there really is no singular majority of customers they're all spread across a wide different array of verticals i would say you know no single you know uh, industry vertical represents more than call it 10 11 12% of our total customers that we funded and we funded tens of thousands of these customers, and done around three billion dollars in financing for our marketplace since inception. But you know, these are the small businesses that you know and love. Whether it's the restaurant you go to, whether it's the retail store that you go to, whether it's you know your friend's design agency or your mother's consulting company. Or your uncle's contracting company, like these are the small businesses that are interwoven into the daily fabric of our lives. But let's say the one thing that I would say is that we, you know, we increasingly see a trend where more and more of these businesses are more digital in nature, whether they're commerce related or service related. I would say that's the kind of the singular trend that we're seeing, but it's not happening like to such a massive degree where it's like, hey, this is the this the the definitive type of persona or small business owner that Fundera works with.
0: So, uh, Jared, there has been a lot of talk about the Paycheck Protection Program lately, and I'm aware that you yourself have been very actively uh, speaking about it on Twitter and various other portals. So could you, you know, maybe talk a bit about that program and its impact on these businesses, as well as what you think are the merits or demerits of the PPP?
1: Oh, it's a loaded question. So the Paycheck Protection Program... Uh, is a, a government stimulus program intended to provide capital to small businesses such that they can maintain people on payroll and continue to pay employees. Like that is the intended purpose of it. And it was sort of given, I think it's interesting because that was truly the intended purpose of it. But I think it's been somewhat convoluted and twisted in nature and how people assess it, thinking that it really was intended to be a lifeline to keep small businesses afloat it really is a lifeline to keep small businesses employing their employees. So that in and of itself has caused some consternation among small businesses and industry coalitions. But that said, like the, it's also a stimulus in the sense that it's a loan and small businesses can use the money however they want. But if they use 75% of the loan to actually pay employees, the loan can be forgiven. But many small businesses are not doing that right now. They're essentially just saying, hey, this is a low interest rate. It's a 1% loan that they have to pay back over the course of two years, a six month essentially deferred payment period, where they're just using it as essentially a cash reserve for the time being um, to hold on for a rainy day or just to keep them afloat during this interim period. So it's been, um, for lack of better words, a bit of a fucking mess, but also a Herculean undertaking on behalf of the SBA, banks, and small businesses. The federal programs are inherently slow in nature and inefficient. Mm-hmm. Um, banks are inherently the same, slow in nature and inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yet this is a program that did not exist a couple months ago. And within the course of you know a three-week period from the inception of the CARES Act to the launch of PPP banks all of a sudden were in a position where they had to deploy you know, $700 billion in PPP loans to customers. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was actually, in retrospect, pretty impressive that banks were able to participate in this program so incredibly quickly and get this money to small businesses. And I'd say, I don't know, 580 to $600 billion have already been deployed. Mm -hmm. to small businesses. So that in of itself is pretty much a a remarkable feat that this was able to be done so quickly. But now the program is somewhat ridden with a bunch of other issues, which are now small businesses are, are, are pretty confused as to what they need to do in order for these loans to actually be forgiven. And it's my best guess that most most so of these loans actually will not be forgiven, at least in the entirety of the dispersed loan amount, largely because the guidance from the Treasury and the SBA has been evolving over time and sort of a moving target. But I mean, I can ramble on and on about this. <laughs> Fundera was able to help, I'd say, north of 10,000 small businesses secure around $700 million in PPP loans over the course of a three-week period, which was also a really cool experience just to be able to help so many small businesses. And our role in that was essentially helping small businesses who were essentially not able to get the time of day from their large banks or whose banks were not participating in the program find these funds across our network of around six or seven different bank partners that were participating in PPP. But it's it's still going on, and uh, we're still learning from it. And small businesses are continuing to come to Fundera to apply for these types of loans.
0: Great. We're glad. We're all glad that you guys are helping. Uh, SMBs navigate this mess. So coming back to Fundera's strategy, Jared, how has the crisis, the entire coronavirus crisis, impacted the lending space and specifically any strategy, short-term or long-term, that this pandemic has brought to you, to Fundera?
1: Sure. Um, so it's adversely impacted the small business lending face, space and by extension of that, adverse. Impacted small businesses, so it's very obvious how it's you know negatively impacted small businesses. You, you walk down the street; the majority mm-hmm. of them are shut down right now. Mm-hmm. I think what's less obvious is that for a small business lender, and we've we've surveyed our small businesses, and all of them are in dire need of capital right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're a small business lender, you're contending with a bunch of issues right now. First and foremost, you have a massive wave of defaults and delinquencies amongst your portfolio because the revenue of small business owners has dropped precipitously, Mm -hmm. and they're no longer repaying the loans that they've taken out. The second thing is you really struggle to provide new capital to small businesses because in this environment, which is, you know, just I'll use the commonplace word, unprecedented, they have no way to understand that if they lend a dollar to a small business that they will actually be repaid that dollar. All Mm -hmm. their underwriting models and all the data, data that they had in the past around propensity to repay is essentially moot right now because consumer behavior is a large unknown factor. So small business lenders have really constricted lending, if not shut off altogether. For those that are lending, they're being meticulous about who they lend to, targeting specific geographies, specific industries that were either unaffected or positively impacted by COVID. So think grocery stores, convenience stores, cleaning services, et cetera. But that leaves a majority of small businesses left hanging in the wind. The other thing that introduces some complexity to the matter is a lot of small businesses had applied for and received uh, PPP funding. I think it's north of 2 million, maybe 3 million now. So, if you've received PPP funding or some form of emergency disaster relief loan from the SBA, a small business lender is going to view that as adverse selection and essentially say, hey, you needed this funding. It means that your business was not performing well therefore i'm going to look at this with like extreme scrutiny or just disavow your application altogether so it, what it's done is made life pretty miserable for small business lenders put a majority of them at risk and their portfolios at risk especially the alternative non-bank lenders who don't have deposits from which they lend many of them have just paused or stopped lending altogether uh, and some of them absolutely will go out of business and that that sucks Frankly, it sucks for the lenders, and it sucks for small business owners who turned to these lenders time and time again because they were underserved by their banks. So, in regards to so that's kind of like the landscape of how this has impacted small business lending in the grand scheme of things. It's been bad, from lack mm. of better words, and it's generally our belief that the government will be the primary provider of capital to small businesses over the upcoming, call it, six to eighteen months, and. The mechanism by which they will deliver this that capital is primarily through SBA programs, similar to PPP, but just different in context, nature, name. So. In regards to our strategy, um, we've been fortunate that we had developed a very robust SBA lending program around two years ago. So we're well positioned to continue to help small business owners acquire SBA loans through our bank partners. And now more and more bank partners are approaching Fundera, joining our network and seeing if they can use our platform to better originate loans for their own customers, uh, depository customers, which is pretty interesting. So I I don't want to say like this has positively impacted Fundera. It hasn't. Like we worked with a lot of lenders who are no longer lending right now. And that's a bummer for small business owners. And it's also a bummer for Fundera. But when we think about strategy right now, it's interesting. We're in a position right now where there's not a ton of opportunity costs for us to reallocate some resources around new initiatives, meaning like how do we continue to diversify the different types of products that we offer small business owners and think about going a little bit deeper into other verticals like small business insurance. It's also a unique opportunity for us to work on just general business intelligence tools for small business owners that we wanted to build for a long period of time think about better data analysis, better recommendation engine of the financial products which we offer. So now we have the time to do that because we don't have the opportunity cost saying, hey, you know, 95% of our resources needed to need to be concentrated on our core lending business. So our strategy is essentially, how do we make sure that when small business lending reemerges, we've used this time wisely to invest in truly platforming our, our company Expand into new verticals and build software that deepens our relationships with small business owners. So it's essentially we're able to kind of begin to check the box of, of a lot of off of a lot of things that were on our roadmap, but like kind of medium long term roadmap, and begin to prioritize them closer to the near term.
0: Uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing the following Fundera's rollout of all of these services, Jared. So going back a bit. I am very curious to learn about your experience launching GroupMe and how do you see that product doing now in the future?
1: What What about the experience launching GroupMe? It's interesting.
0: So I, I think GroupMe came at a time when, you know, it was a very unique product. It was nothing like that existed. Probably people were not even using smartphones as much. So how right. was dealing with that kind of both consumer shift as well as launching a product that is, that is uh, so different. And um, what were the things that you did, uh, you know, differently during GroupMe? How has that experience impacted maybe your late, later your experience launching Fundera?
1: So I'll just kind of start with like a little bit of the history of GroupMe. So the GroupMe that people know and use today is very different than the GroupMe that we built in 2010. The GroupMe that we built in 2010 started as reply all text messaging. Which mm-hmm. did not exist. Literally, you would create a group and your group would be assigned its own unique phone number. It was it was built on the back of Twilio, our initial prototype. And I think we were like the first mass consumer application on that was built using Twilio, which is very, very cool. So every group that you created got assigned its own phone number. You could save that phone number to your contact list, like family or you know, whatever, basketball crew, crew you know, music friends, whatever it might be. And you could text that phone number and would go to everybody in the group and vice versa. And you could also, it was kind of a neat tool where you could actually call the phone number and everybody's phones would ring. And when they picked up, everybody was dropped into a conference call with one another. And then over time, as smartphones became more pervasive, this was like literally kind of like as mass smartphone adoption was beginning to ramp up, we built the over-the-top application, which turned into the messaging application that people use today. And that was an essential that was absolutely like a, a a necessity of survival for fundera because when it was a reply all sms application we paid for every single text message that was sent and that very quickly scaled to hundreds of millions if not billions of texts and we were burning cash rapidly supporting the infrastructure so we needed to migrate everybody to the native mobile application so that was just like a really interesting place in time where people were beginning to use their phones more and more And then people began to adopt smartphones more and more. So it really caught people as that great migration was happening from, you know, feature phone to smartphone. And that was a pretty unique opportunity for us. We also did this in a way where we really exclusively focused on groups there were a lot of, you know, one-to-one messaging applications that were, that kind of held you hostage within your platform. Mm -hmm. Think like BBM, like BlackBerry Messenger was the largest messaging application at that point in time. One of the core tenets of GroupMe was that it was going to work on any device. Didn't matter if you had an Android or an iPhone or a BlackBerry or a feature phone, it was going to be compatible because your group is not your group if it's missing that one exceptional person who makes it whole. Mm -hmm. So that was like the initial premise and kind of some of the issues that we were dealing with GroupMe early on, frankly, the thing just worked. Like we targeted use cases where people actually needed groups in order to make their experience better. Partnering with music festivals, like we partnered with Coachella and Austin City Limits and Bonnaroo, and that was the original GroupMe use case. So it made a lot of sense. And what we saw was when these events happened people would use GroupMe and then they would go back to wherever they were from across the country and then they would create GroupMe groups for other people. And the average group size was six people. And one out of the five people that you would add to a group went and created their own group of six people. So the product was viral in nature, which was also really neat. Mm -hmm. And the thing just grew and it continues to grow. In regards to where I see GroupMe today... You know, I haven't been at Microsoft full-time since the end of 2013, so it's been Mm -hmm. disconnected from the day-to-day for a long, long while. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand, people still use it. Everybody in college uses it. It's the messaging application of choice, or at least the group messaging application of choice. And it just really, it stayed true to its roots of just solving the problem of making group communication possible, fun, and intimate.
0: Yeah, GroupMe is extensively used by Wharton students as well, uh, Jared. So (laughs) thank you for that product. Yeah, of course. So Jared, last question. We would love if you could advise the current Wharton entrepreneurs, especially in these times. How do they keep going uh, and continue to believe?
1: Listen, shit happens. And when you're an entrepreneur, shit happens over and over and over again. Seldom do you actually hit this role where you're like, everything is great and life is wonderful. And I'm so happy I did this. And I just feel sheer joy every day. Mm -hmm. Like part of being an entrepreneur is having the fucking grit to get through these periods of time and not accept no and not accept failure for an answer. Like you just grind through it. And it's really fucking hard. There's no two ways about it. There's nothing that I can possibly say that is going to give you peace of mind Mm -hmm. other than bear down and do what needs to be done in order to see your vision becomes a reality. So I think that's one of the core things about entrepreneurship and what it takes to get through hard times. Hard times come and hard times go. But one thing's for certain, like they never go away entirely. And it's the way in which people deal with these points and times in the face of adversity when things just genuinely don't go your way. And it seems like the odds are forever stacked against you. But the fact of the matter is, as an entrepreneur, the odds are forever stacked against you. And it's your job to prove those odds wrong. And the best way of doing that is grit.
0: Got it. On that note, we do hope hard times go away soon. And all the best to Fundera. Thank you so much, Jared, for your time today. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it.